Welcome to the Fastest Five Minutes presented by Kroll and Mooring. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Yuan Zhou, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts, legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. And I'm going to turn it over to Yuan, who has an update on CMMC. Yuan, your turn. Thanks, Peter. The CyberAB, which was formerly known as the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification Accreditation Body, recently released its pre-decisional draft CMMC assessment process, which I'll call the CAP here. The CAP describes the overarching procedures and guidance that CMMC third-party assessment organizations will use to assess entities that are seeking CMMC certification. Now, the current version of the CAP applies to contractors that need CMMC level two certification, which most likely will be contractors handling controlled unclassified information based on the DOD's provisional scoping guidance for CMMC 2.0. Now, aimed at increasing the accuracy and consistency of assessments conducted by CMMC third-party assessment organizations, the CAP is segmented into four distinct phases. Phase one focuses on planning and preparing the assessment. Phase two on conducting the assessment. Phase three on reporting assessment results. And phase four on closeout plan of action and milestones and assessment. In case contractors are interested in providing public input, the Cyber AB is currently accepting comments on the draft CAP. Back to you, Peter. Great. Thank you so much, Yuan. Next up, an SBA final rule that implements new methods for evaluating expanded sources of small business past performance. On July 22nd, SBA published a final rule implementing provisions of Section 868 of the NDAA for fiscal year 21. The rule provides two new methods for small business contractors to obtain past performance ratings upon which they may then rely when submitting offers on prime contracts with the federal government. First, a small business offeror may rely on the past performance of a joint venture of which it is a member as long as the small business was involved in performance of the JV's contracts. Second, small business offerors can also use past performance obtained when performing as first-tier subcontractors. The prime contractor, as opposed to the contracting agency, is responsible for assigning the subcontractor's past performance rating under the final rule. The rule also implements consequences for prime contractor failure to provide requested subcontractor ratings. In instances where prime contractors disregard their obligations to provide ratings, the prime contractors can be subject to a wide range of penalties, including termination, withholding of award fees, lower past performance rating, liquidated damages, and a whole range of others. The proposed or the final rule also mentions debarment, as a potential consequence if the failure is willful or repeated. Next up, I'm gonna turn it over to Yuan to talk about an interesting GSA OIG final uh, alert memo. Thanks, Peter. On July 18th, the GSA OIG issued an alert memorandum both broadcasting and criticizing the Federal Acquisition Service's apparent decision to expand the Transactional Data Reporting Rule, or TDR rule, to the entire multiple award schedule. 
Now, the TDR pilot program studied the potential for TDR to reduce compliance burdens that are associated with the multiple award schedule program by replacing the various requirements that federal supply schedule contractors have to fulfill to ensure that pricing offered to GSA customers is fair and reasonable. This included the obligation to make commercial sales practice disclosures and to track commercial pricing and discounts to the negotiated base of award customer under the price reductions clause. Now, in its alert, the OIG highlighted two persistent issues with the TDR pilot program. First, the OIG found that the data underlying the TDR pilot program is inconsistent. Specifically, the OIG saw misalignments between TDR product part numbers and product descriptions when compared against those part numbers and descriptions in contractors' multiple award schedule contracts. The OIG also saw a lack of standard part numbers for labor categories on professional service contracts that constituted over 75% of total FSS sales in 2021. Now, according to the OIG, these inconsistencies render it almost impossible to match TDR data to multiple award schedule contracts for goods and to standardize TDR data across multiple award schedule contracts for services. Now, second, the OIG also found that contracting personnel never actually use TDR data for pricing decisions during the pilot program. So as a result, the OIG alert expresses concern that GSA is now expanding the TDR pilot program and making that underlying data available to all FAS contracting personnel for pricing evaluations without having observed how contracting personnel use the TDR data or evaluating the effects of that use. The OIG concluded that the TDR pilot program places government agencies at further risk of overpaying for products and services when ordering for multiple award schedule contracts and calls into question the TDR pilot program's continued viability. Now, nonetheless, the TDR pilot program has been really well received by industry and the Federal Acquisition Services continued support for TDR should be a positive sign for contractors. Peter. Great, thanks so much, Yuan. Uh, we continue to see heightened focus on organizational conflicts of interest from the Hill, and there's an important update there. On August 1st, the Senate passed an amended version of the Preventing Organizational Conflicts of Interest in Act Federal Acquisition Act. Specifically, the Act requires the FAR Council to revise the FAR to, among other things, update the FAR's definition, guidance, examples related to OCIs, provide executive agencies with specific and tailorable solicitation provisions and contract clauses dealing with OCIs, including disclosure requirements, requiring executive agencies to establish or update agency conflict of interest procedures and to periodically assess those procedures, and also update procedures set forth in FAR 9506 to permit contracting officers to take into consideration professional standards and procedures to prevent OCIs. The act, as amended, includes a few notable differences from the bill that was originally introduced in March of 2022. First, the act does not include the original bill's requirement that the FAR Council identify contracting methods, types, and services that raise heightened concerns about OCIs. Second, the act specifically requires the FAR Council to provide an illustrative example addressing consulting services where contractor employees simultaneously perform work under a contract for a private sector client under the regulatory purview 
of the awarding agency. So certainly something that we're going to be watching both as it makes its way through the House um, and then to see if there are any other amendments, changes as we watch uh, in what is quite a, uh, a heightened area of scrutiny for contractors. We'll close out with for this edition. This has been the Fastest Five Minutes brought to you by Kroll and Mooring. See you again in two weeks. If you have any questions about these items, I can be reached at 202-624-2807 and Yuan can be reached at 202-624-2666. Thank you for joining. The Fastest Five Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll and Mori LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast. <laughs>